And we are back. Thank you for joining us for another session or edition of the Daily Dots. Joined, as always, by the Brain Trust, Mr. Chase Taylor, our head of research. Um, So, interesting day. Not a lot happened. Uh, Where we finish in right now, we got the NASDAQ basically flat, S&P up 0.4. Dow Jones, which you don't really care about, up 0.4. Four seven point five somewhere in there. Uh, a few minutes before the close, so I'm assuming you'll continue to rally into the close because that's what we do. Yeah. Thanks to um, Tesla, Mag Seven's down about one percent. Yeah, um, got to turn it into the Mag Six. I don't really have much else to add other than or or. I'm just still trying to wrap my head around how you get that GDP print the way it is and you get rates moving down on that print. Yeah. So let's talk about it a little bit. Um, so we were, for some reason, when we talked about this yesterday, like, Hey, I, well, hold on. I we should, hold on. We shouldn't assume that everybody there, there, people are tuning in usually to hear what happened. So let's tell them the data print that came out, yeah. GDP came in. So we, we talked about yesterday, like we we're expecting 2% GDP. That That's what, economists were expecting is and and like we said like that that's probably too low well it turns out it was way too low because we printed 3.3 percent um and the, the funny thing is like if you just took the consumer spending and government spending portions of gdp which there's one two three four like six different like contributions that you they break it out by just those two beat beat the estimate so 3.3 percent gdp growth um and and like you said we have we have yields down uh the two years down seven seven basis points uh the 10 years down five so we we had some other data that could have you know kind of piqued the interest of, of folks and made them price in more cuts and and buy bonds but uh doesn't really make a lot of sense to me we had a, a bit of a bump in um initial jobless claims from 189 to 214 we were expecting 200 and, and that, that could play a, a role there. But to me, that's, that's still a very low number. So it's not enough to, to really justify what happened in yields, but that's the only thing I can think of. You, you know what I was thinking about today and you're probably going to push back on this because we've talked about this before. Sorry, were you not done? No, I was just going to say that the only other thing was the GDP price index uh, that was expected to come in at 2.2 and it came in at 1.5. So just some more like disinflationary stuff came out of the GDP report. You know, none of that really jives with a 3.3% GDP report. Here, here's what I'm thinking, and I know you're going to push back on it. I, I, as time goes on, I continually, I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly believing that there's something to this because I just think it makes too much sense. And if I'm proven wrong, I'll have no problem admitting it. But when I look at the world today, I keep going back to something where I'm like, nothing seems to fit, right? You've got, you go out there and talk to people in the economy. And I'm not talking about just people that are down talking the economy. You can't find anybody out there, any business owner. I mean, maybe one-offs here or there, right? But nobody out there feels like this is an economy that over the last six months has grown an average pace of four and a half percent plus or four and a half percent or whatever the numbers would have you suggest. But here's what's interesting. If inflation was structurally understated, and I don't mean in a conspiratorial way. I, I, 
what I mean is you've had the jiggering of it so many times over the last 40 years that we're all aware of. And then the way that this whole scenario came on and the speed at which it happened and the speed at which the rate hikes, um, for instance, if inflation was running 150 to 200 bips higher than is being reported, a lot of these numbers now all of a sudden start to make sense. Right. Right. So you're almost arguing like nominal GDP, which which came in at 5.8. Like that makes sense. It's just the, but when you with the real being so like so high, and and it's not like it's just high to us. Like it's it's blowing past right the expectations of everyone too. So the Atlanta Fed, which does the nowcast, they which honestly their numbers are almost always better than Wall Street's or really anybody's, and even theirs I think was too like. 2.4, 2.6, 2.4, 2.6, something like that. So like even they were way off. Now, obviously, it can get revised way back down later and all that. But I, I think to your point, though, like it's not like it's, it's just surprising to us. Like it, right. it's surprising to everybody. Well, and did, no, just think about it, too. The other part of it, too. And, and again, I'm not a Ph.D. economist. But when you look at all of the different parts of the economy that aren't doing great, that are struggling, it's really hard to get to that GDP number. When you look at all the things that are, uh, again, I, 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 I will not be shocked if I'm wrong. Okay. I'm just saying all of this disparate data, the vast majority of it, all the sudden starts to make sense and look uniform if the inflation rate is 150 to 200 basis points higher than is being reported. Because, it, because if it is on a real basis, then I'd sit there and go, you know what? On a real basis, this does feel like an economy that's growing at like zero to 1%. Right, that's just hovering above stall speed. That isn't giving in. That isn't plummeting. It's not breaking, but it's also not going great guns. It just, I, I just can't. You know, it's that whole Occam's razor deal. I, I, to me, that just feels like an Occam's razor type conclusion. Now, Occam's razor isn't always right. It just usually is, right? And I just look at everything, everything. You know, right, right down to what you were saying about the employment, right? Hot GDP, but employment. And again, you know, unemployment claims going from 180 to 214. That's nothing to stop traffic about. I'm not saying it is. I I just think that the numbers, I I, I think everything looks more, I I just, everything makes a lot more sense if you're, if inflation is being understated by 150 to 200 basis points. Would you? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily like feel like I should push back on that. Uh, like I feel like I don't necessarily agree or disagree. Like in, in some ways it makes sense to me and in, and in some ways it doesn't. So I don't, I don't really have much to add to it. Um, what, what, one thing I, I like to do with GDP is to look at the GDP final sales to private domestic purchasers, which is a real measure. And it, it kind of strips out nonsense like inventories and, and government spending and stuff. It just kind of gives you like how much money were people spending kind of look at it. Mm-hmm. And that, that was at 2.7%, which um, it's, I mean, it, it bottomed out, uh, one, two, like about five quarters ago. And it's just kind of steadily just moved up. So we, when you look at that one, it, that one kind of corroborates like the, Hey, like the consumer spending side, that's there, but that, but you're right. Like if we're somehow missing a 1% inflation on that, which to be clear, the, the price part of this came in 1% under what people expected, um, then that would kind of explain it. So, I mean, you you could argue that the price aspect within the GDP report is exactly, is saying exactly what you're saying. Like, oh, well, we missed it by a lot, but we missed it because we had prices, you know, 1% higher. Yeah. So you can argue that people are seeing it, but it's just not getting counted the way people think it's going. 
Here's why I think that that's interesting. A, again, you know, I've been talking about this same thing for a couple, what, four or five months now. And it just, I thought that about four or five months ago. And as this data comes in, I just keeps reinforcing that view for me. So we'll see if it plays out. The the interesting thing I think about that, though, is it really opens up the potential, if that is the case, right? Let's say that somehow inflation is materially understated. If that is the case, it, it really opens the door to a potential big policy blunder on the Fed side. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're on the that's yeah. what we're on track for. Yeah, it's just, but but I what make what could make it so much more nasty, man, is if you are overstating inflation, and you know what I'm saying, because that would that would keep that would keep them that would keep them from cutting, you know, much longer than they otherwise would. Yeah, and. It's the a market, tough environment. Market is still, market's still pricing a first quarter cut, isn't it? Yeah. At last check, we're, I mean, we're like right around 50 50 on May. Let me, let me look it up. How do you um, cut? How do you cut with these prints? I just don't know how they cut. We're with literally 50 50 for May, but an 84% chance in, in uh, sorry, in March, 84% chance in May. So what we currently have is 34 basis points. Um, in cuts priced by the end of, of March or sorry, at the end of May. So yeah, we, we still think, Hey, first half of the year, we're going to do a couple cuts. And, and that's what they cut in this backdrop. I mean, they can. Um, and, and again, they probably should, but it, oh, it's, man. it's, it's awkward because, so I just, I just tweeted something out a minute ago. Like so oil, oil's breaking out. Gasoline futures are breaking out. The, the one-year inflation swap, which they absolutely do care about, that's kind of, in my opinion, what they use to base a lot of their monetary policy decisions on. So, like, they don't care what happened with inflation in the last year or whatever, but a lot of them will look at, what does the market think we're going to do one year from now? Because, like, that's what we should probably be viewing as, like, the way to measure real rates. And that, that thing is, at, is added 26 basis points in 17 days. So... The one-year inflation, one-year-ahead inflation number the market's putting on it is just—I mean, it's going straight up. It's broken out and it's going straight up. Um, I mean, oil just today up almost three percent. Uh, gasoline futures. Chase, how in a market? Just walk me through how, how in a market you have that going on on the inflation. Would you were those the inflation break-evens you were talking about? It—it's it, not—it's not exactly what it is. It, it's no no kidding what the market is pricing one year from now for inflation. Okay, well I how how can you be getting that action and rates going down at the same time? And the only thing I can think of is that that ISM employment um non-manufacturing employment that just fell off a cliff has people shook and thinking that Here here's an here's another, we've talked about it. The un- unemployment's just about to go to four and a half in three months or something. Here's another point, man. How do you see a Richmond Fed print like that in an economy that's supposedly growing at a four to four and a half percent annualized clip? Yeah, so today's a perfect encapsulation of that. All the hard data was hotter than expected. All the soft data was bad. Like it just keeps happening where soft data is, is telling you we're in, in a recession or, or heading right into one. And in the, in the hard data is like, man, hey, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying for the record, all of this could be explained if inflation is structurally understated. All of that fits. 
Does it not? I mean, it all. I'm not saying again causation, correlation. I'm not. I, I get all that. And like I said, I am totally open to the idea. As a matter of fact, if I was to bet one way or the other, I'd probably bet that I was wrong. Not by a lot, but I probably would. But I'm just saying, I, everything I look at, I'm looking and going. If inflation, the, the one thing I will say, say, one thing I will say though is, for all of 2023, we were in a manufacturing recession. All the soft data was like, "Hey, manufacturing is awful." If you look at the real, the actual data, manufacturing output was up in 2023. So it now, if you want to argue, inflation was hitting these people harder, um, so like hard enough to where it, like. That, that just made them feel bad, just kind of like the way, you know, um, but output consumer, was up. consumer sentiment was. Then, output, then output was up, but output was up as measured by dollars, right? I'm assuming that's how they measured it. I mean, yeah, but you can even even if you adjust it, like, like manufacturing did not have a terrible year. No, it didn't. But I mean, and they, and they, did, and they didn't like they because if, if they did, they would have they would have cut jobs and, and they didn't. Right. But automobile manufacturing counts into that, right? So you had a lot of catch up automobile manufacturing yeah, going in that was filling in the gap. I have to believe that's what it is. Here's the thing, man. I mean, just, I mean, again, completely anecdotal, but we all know what it felt like, what we saw our neighbors buying. I don't know about you, but I look around, man, they, nobody's buying like they were a year and a half ago. You know, I, I just, I, I just, it's, I, I just, again, I could be wrong. And I, and I, like I said, I don't think it's, I, I don't think that it's small chances that I'm wrong. I, I just, something's, Something's up with this growth. It, it, it's not what they're reporting. I just—it's definitely weird. It's, yeah, I just look so like on, on net. They added a good bit of manufacturing jobs in twenty twenty three. Like not, I don't I mean to me not what you would be doing. Where's the earnings and revenue time. growth? The other side of it is where's the earnings and revenue growth? If you've got an economy that's cranking along at a four percent annualized growth rate, you shouldn't see revenues and profits flat to negative on the S and P on an inflation adjusted basis. That just shouldn't—it it shouldn't be there. Should be it should be way better than that. Yeah, I mean, it's just odd. Man. It, looking at industrial stocks, there, there, it's kind of that is a tough one. Like you, there were times when it was really doing great, and then times where it was awful. So I was trying to get some signal from like, well, what did the industrial you know equities do? But it's too messy to like really form an opinion. Yeah, um, I don't know. All I know is that, I mean, I, I've felt, I mean, I've felt strong economies at times. I've been in strong economies at many times. This ain't one of them. Yeah, like 2021, like you, you knew. Oh, like, you, and, and like, I remember like I was part of it. Like I, we were spending oh, money like crazy. Oh. Um, and, and, but like everyone I knew was, but now, like you say, it, it, it just, there's just no way. I, it doesn't there's feel, something's like, off. Doesn't feel okay. No, something's off. I, and I, I just, it, it's. I, and, and I think personally, I believe, and again, I want people to understand what I'm saying. I don't, this is not a conspiracy theory. I think that inflation is one of the most overlooked and underappreciated phenomena in all of finance and economics. And I think it's one of those things that everybody, and I include myself in the statement, thinks that they have a much better understanding of it than they actually do. I think it is much more complicated and multifaceted than most people give it credit for being. And I think because of all those factors, there's a high propensity to get it wrong, right? To have numbers that aren't capturing it for whatever reason, especially when things happen. I mean, think of the things that have occurred over the last three and a half years that are so far outside the norm 
that it just would make sense if the speed or the you know the the amplitude in which some of these things happened really screwed up the way that the data is coming through. And again, I you know I th- this is a really clumsy, unscientific explanation. I'm just saying when you look at the way that inflation and growth interplay, and you look at all the things that don't really make sense. The vast majority of those things start to make sense if you bump inflation up 150 to 200 basis points. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, no, I get it. So I, I just, it, if, if this is four to four and a half percent growth, man, it's the worst four to four and a half percent growth I've ever seen, which leads me to another thought. And, 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 and maybe you discover kind of a new economic paradigm where you have like a non, a non, <laughs> a non-contraction-esque or a non-contracting recession, you know, where, you know, maybe you get a really weird environment when you look at, when you look at fiscal budgets and spending and deficits and all that kind of stuff, where, where you get a scenario where employment rises, you know, 30 to 50% off the bottom, you get a proper recession, real wages go down, you get all the stuff that goes with a recession, but yet you get positive real GDP prints. That's yeah, possible. Like, we've talked about it. Like, hey, like running like five, seven percent deficit. Like that. That is, it's just hard. The 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 hurdle to get over that to to get into a recession is it's just that much bigger. Like you have to climb climb a mountain to get to the recession. Whenever the government's spending that much, and I mean, you can see that. I mean, literally straight out of the GDP report. Um, just government spending was was more than half of one percent of that growth. It was point five six percent of that wow. growth. Wow. And so like, I, th- I think you can see this where, now granted, you know, consumer spending was by far the biggest at 1.9. So, but I think you can, you could have a situation where, you know, we haven't had like this kind of industrial policy spending really since we, maybe we were kids, like cold war was like peaking as you know, we were like tiny. Um, since then, like the government hasn't had this like need to go spend tons of money on, on things the way it is right now. So it might like, yeah, sure. Like us and our neighbors might be spending less. It seems like, and a lot of things don't seem great, but you know, if the government's out there building a bunch of stuff like that and it has a multiplier effect like that, that, you know, will be seen and felt in in GDP in a way that it might not be kind of felt in, in the, the normal way that we identify as like the economy doing well. Yeah. It sure is an odd, odd environment. What else did we see on the data that came out today? Any other, any other interesting points? Yeah. So the Chicago Fed has a national activity index, which has like, I don't know, like 30 something inputs. I, I don't follow it close, but it did have the worst print it's had um, this cycle. Wow. But if you back out and go all the way to 2000, like it is not a bad print compared to even like the manufacturing recession in 2014, 15 ish. Um, much worse prints than, than right now, but it is the worst one here in the last like couple of years. Um, I don't, I just don't really track the like inventory and stuff. The durable goods X transportation was better than expected, but with transportation included was worse. So kind of a nothing burger there. Oh, uh, new home sales. Uh, those were better than expected by about 15,000. Um, and, and, Notably, last last months were were revised higher by twenty five thousand. So you're still at low levels for new home sales, but but on a rate of change basis, is starting starting to move higher. Um, but now that 
well, not today, not included, but right. now that yields are creeping back up, it we right. might start to get right back into a spot where it gets tough for real estate um, again. I, yeah, I don't, on, I don't, how I don't yields back up. Yeah, I don't think that's a might. Um, um, and we had that nasty five-year auction yesterday that we talked about. We had a seven-year auction today that that went off fine, good uh, international demand. So um, w- weird how some of these auctions will be awful, and then you'll have another one that's good. But that that's probably worth noting and and not data but important can, to know can, can we take a can we take anything is there anything to glean from the fact that the seven-year auction went off without a hitch but the five-year didn't N- nothing i have for you on that if so, there is i don't know it so I, I mean it's only two years so it doesn't point to a demand for more duration or something like that no i i don't think so um i, I was surprised at how bad the five was um to begin with but uh I've always been expecting the the ten and ten and up to be where auctions might see some stress. Um, we we did get some liquidity boosts today. The reverse repo facility hit a new low. Um, so to me, to me, it was kind of notable that. So we we knew vol control funds would be buying today, based on the vol math, and then obviously we know we had a liquidity boost from from reverse repo. The fact that. Now, granted, the S and P was up half percent, but the fact that tech stocks were essentially flat on a day where you had a liquidity boost and and vol control buying, like it just felt like a like in a way like a relative weakness on a day like that. Yeah, but that's also after it's gone straight up for what, two and a half months. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been aggressive. I, I'm finding the the breakout in oil to be the most interesting thing right now because. Nobody's talking about it. The people that have been wildly bullish oil for the last few years don't even care. Like, and and we're seeing inventories draw in in a big way and and globally right now. And and it's just no no one cares. But that's the that's the the kind of thing where that all of a sudden starts to play games with with inflation and monetary policy and growth and consumer sentiment and consumer spending. Like it it it's always willing to take from all of those areas. Um, and no one cares yet because it's only $77, but um, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, that $77 was a good bit lower. So it, it's something I'm going to keep watching. Yeah, definitely something that bears, certainly something that bears watching. Um, we are at 67 in December. So we're up 10 bucks since the low in December. <clears throat> okay, so... Looking at looking at other, what do we have coming up the rest of the week? Do we have any any significant data coming up the rest of the week? I'll tell you in about two seconds here. Um, so tomorrow we have oh, we had the KC Fed today, and that that was expected oh, to be hey, negative I, three. Hey, hold, negative on, hold on, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but but, but I, I know what I want to ask you. Uh, I believe I saw the news. Maybe it came out yesterday, but I saw it today that the Fed is not going to replenish the BTFP, ah, yeah, bank term funding plan program. Well, a um, couple questions on that one. A, I was shocked to see that just recently f- the activity out of the BTFP has been at a record. Whenever they put BTFP in, in place, um, it was basically like an emergency facility where the rate you were going to get from it was not that helpful. Um, but as short-term rates started to move down as all these rate cuts got priced in, it became an arbitrage where you could borrow at one rate and then get 
money at another rate. And so it became no kidding, just free money for banks that did it. So naturally the usage of it exploded. Um, and it was, and it, I believe you can lock that in for a year. Um, and it's supposed to expire kind of mid March and they kind of announced like, yeah, we're probably going to get rid of it. And then yesterday they came out and they're like, Oh, we're definitely getting rid of it. And by the way, it's over. Like you don't get to play with it anymore. Um, and what they, you know, essentially a and the arbitrage of free money to the banks, but B keep them from rushing in and locking it in, um, before it expired. So at the end of the day, what they did is they kept tons of free money from flowing to the banks through that vehicle, which I was kind of impressed by. Like I was not expecting, I just figured they would let the banks just get a bunch of free money. So the fact that they just unannounced all of a sudden just shut her down. I, I was impressed by that was, it was a good move, a smart thing to do. <laughs> now, now we're applauding them because they quit throwing bags of money. Off hey, the back I, of the if, if I'm going to criticize them when, when they do something, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. I'm going to give them props when, when they don't do something criminal. If they're going to turn off the, the money spigot um, in a, in a way that clearly was becoming really inappropriate, like absolutely. Like, Gonna, I'm, 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 ju- I'm just amazed that corporations would take advantage of reckless government largesse. I just, <laughs> that just shocks me. To be um, fair, they have hammered the banks with their monetary policies. So I, I just figured they would be like, look, here's a, here's a way to give them some money back for what we're doing. Um, what does that do now? They're, they're not going to run that again. I, I mean, that's got to have a negative impact on liquidity. I, I would believe. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it will hit, bank profitability for sure and i think again it the the smaller banks it hits even harder because they're even more disadvantaged by the current policy environment and the current um the the assets they hold are so much worse than the assets the big banks hold because they're the ones holding the bag on commercial real estate stuff like that so um and the yield curve being inverted is just is so hard on them so uh yeah, it's. I think it's going to be a problem, at least for bank profitability. I'm not. I don't necessarily think that's like something that's going to, in the very near term, spill over um, to anyone else. L- looking at the regional banks, they were only down like 0.6 percent today, so they didn't seem to care that much. But to me, they they should care more than that. But then again, you go pricing in rate cuts like we did today, and that's that's more fun than losing BTFP on a hot on a hot GDP print. <laughs> So speaking of data, uh, tomorrow we have personal income, personal spending. We'll get the PCE inflation number, um, existing home sales, and then the KC Fed has their services um, PMI tomorrow. It it it, it really is uh, remarkable, man. I just it, it it's uh, it just continues to fascinate me watching this market. I just I can't really think of anything except just like a runaway train, you know, where you're just like. Where are you going to go? Oh, you're going to go up. What about the news? Don't pay attention to the news. It's going to mislead you. You know, just 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 get long and just enjoy the ride. Speaking um, of runways, the we, we talked a little bit yesterday about how Apple had kind of an ugly daily candle. Yeah. And then today at one point we were up and I was like, well, never mind. Like that, that was just one day nonsense. But then today was kind of the same thing. We went up and kind of tested the highs and then, and then closed red on the day. So sort of two not great candles in a row for Apple. But like yesterday and get just it can pop to a, a new high and and it means nothing but it, it can man i it can but i i i mm, i it can you're right it totally I mean, could. Our, I just, arc this was thing, down one percent today like you you're this just thing i just this just i i'm i gotta tell you i'm just getting the i'm getting the 
I'm getting the weird. I'm getting the weird feelings, man. I just think this thing has an ugly look. It just feels untethered, and it just feels. I mean, like- Tesla having a 12 percent down day is always that's a big deal. Like that's it's such an animal spirit capturing stock. Um, well, and it's got and, and, and it's got such big. There's there's so many big irresponsible retail positions. I'm not again. I'm not going to say this is going to happen. Wall Street analysts that hold it, yeah. that, that talk about it. I, I I again not saying it. You guys know me, not Mr. Uber Perma Bear, not all that kind of stuff. I just think that that's one that you want to keep a close eye on because that could set off somewhat of a domino effect. Um, it's, it's the meme of memes. So if, no, and if there's it, so much leverage on it. There's ETFs oh yeah. on it. I mean th- that that thing could start an unwind. Uh, <laughs> so speaking uh, of crazy, I, I, you know what I mean? An unwind that could hit, hit in places that nobody even even imagined. Yeah, I used to work with a a rocket scientist and. He was a big uh, Elon Tesla SpaceX guy, and he had first of all this guy had like five kids, but he had I, I would I would guess eighty percent of his retirement in Tesla, which means he's probably retired by now in his thirties. But um, congrats! But but that that shows you, and it's it's not like just just you know retail people that don't know anything. Like this this dude was a literal rocket scientist, and he owned gobs of it. Yeah. And and not for, and for, you know, not the right reasons. Um, but to me, like it's not the, this is not the first time Tesla had bad news to report in a quarter. Um, so the fact that it, it was down 12%, um, what was just meaningful to me, usually bad news is not bad news for that stock. Now it doesn't mean it's going to stay down. You know, it, it could be 250 in a month from now. None of us would be surprised, but no, but, but, but I do think it's something to pay attention to. And I think it gives you, again, Tesla's a bit of its own animal, but I also think that it's a bit of a gauge for when we're talking about overvaluation, um, the same type of thinking and the same type of valuations apply to a lot of stocks out there in the market right now. But I do think Tesla's a very good bellwether because look, look at you just, just, I, I think watch this because I think it's going to teach people some really important lessons. Despite the fact it's been taken to the woodshed here, you've still got a company that's trading at 60 times earnings. Okay. It, now, remember, so what that 60 times earnings is reflecting is massive growth. Okay. And they're, they're literally going, not going to grow next year. They're going backwards, not by a huge number, but they're going backwards. Okay. Guys, here's where valuation matters they're not growing, rates are up, demand for their cars and margin for their cars is all down. Okay. That thing could drop 65 to 70% and still be the most expensive trading US or, or you still be the most expensive car manufacturer in the world after a 65% drawdown, right? So I, this is why we're saying it's not, it, this is what makes you nervous here. When all this stuff was growing at 25 to 50% a year, valuations were ridiculous, but you're like, man, I'm not stepping in front of that freight train, okay? What's crazy is all the multiples are going back to where they were at 2021, and the growth rates aren't anywhere close to that. So what the market's pricing in is massive increased growth, massive increased revenue and profits. I got to tell you, I still just don't see that, and that to me is the biggest specter in this market. I, I, I I think the biggest issue, and I was explaining this the other day, or somebody the other day, and I was like, look, I don't think the, you know, uh, say it again, I don't think the ground's going to wake up and swallow this uh, market, but I think earnings or earnings calls are. Like, I, I just I just think you've got a whole setup where you've got massive amounts of really big popular names 
that have very little to no chance of meeting what they need to meet this year in order to make their stocks make any sense. Yeah, unless you just get just another round of really, you know, strong multiple expansion, it's just not not going to not going to make sense. I mean, Tesla's Tesla's operating margins went from about 16 to 8, so they've been cut in half from the peak. Well, not even multiple expansion. You that's what you've got. I mean, that people are like Tesla's fallen. I sit there and I go in the last 3 months well, the stock price is down, but I, I think you make the argument that the multiple has exploded in the last three months. You know what I'm saying? Like when you look at the fact that they're priced for growth, all of those things have gone wrong, and they're still sporting that multiple. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like a blowout in their multiple. I I, I mean, yeah. Anyway, well, all right. So we've pretty much got that covered. I, do you have anything else? I I'm good to go. No, nope, that's, right. that's it for me. All right, guys. Well, hey, thank you for joining us. We will, as always, be back. Well, the regular show is happening tomorrow, so we won't be back. But we will be back again Monday. Got the regular show coming out tomorrow. Won't want to miss that. Anyway, have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.